The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. Wow, welcome to the show today, everyone. Special yell-out to Yoshiko Dart, who is going to love this show today because of what we're talking about. Also, to all of my listeners, you know, for the past 12 years, you have been just so supportive. Um, And once again, thank you. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing today. And today, I am excited about the show. We have two supporters in the disability community. Um, and one of one of the leaders is a friend of mine, uh, which I'm happy to say that. Uh, and she is just a phenomenal woman. We're going to be talking about Pittsburgh 21 and Able. So here's my friend, Cindy Shapira, and my colleague, Amy Snyder. Welcome to the show. Thank you Thank so much, you. Joyce. Okay, Cindy, I hope you don't mind. But before we get started, I have to talk about Giant Eagle. Okay, I just want to tell you the Shapiro's own Giant Eagle, and I have said this, I think my photograph's up in the store because I go to the market district so much, but this is a chain of grocery stores in Pennsylvania, and where else are they, Cindy? Um, actually, um, uh, Ohio, the Cleveland and Columbus area, and uh, West Virginia, and I think a couple in Maryland. But Joyce, I, I, I have to um, I have to qualify that the Shapiros do not own Giant Eagle. It is owned by uh, five unrelated families, um, co-equally uh, over I think 70 years, which is uh, a pretty remarkable uh, role model in American business. Um, but thank you for the plug. Well, okay. So what is David's? role with Giant Eagle then? I know he's the chairman of the board, right? David is uh, now the executive that David's my husband. Uh, David mm-hmm. is um, the executive chairman of the board. Uh, he retired as CEO uh, a little over a year ago, and um, his beautiful, brilliant daughter, Laura Carette, is now CEO of the company. Okay, so let's restate this. The Shapiras have been involved forever with Giant Eagle. David was the CEO. Now he's the chair. I just want to say one thing about David. He has always hired people with disabilities. And, you know, we have a saying in the disability community, when you help us, we help you. So everyone listening to the show in this area and Ohio, just remember what I said. They have hired people with disabilities way back, way, way back before anyone else was doing it, and I attribute that to uh, David, who has always been a big supporter, um, and it is just absolutely the best grocery store I've ever been to when it comes to food and customer service. 
So, so there we go. That's my giant eagle Thank advertisement. You. <laughs> Thank but you. That's not why. And by the way, Cindy had no idea I was going to do that, so just make that clear. And that is not why she is on the show today. She is on because of this fabulous new organization, 21 and Able. Um, and I want to ask you first, Cindy, why did you get involved with this organization? And then, Amy, you can tell us the same thing. But I'm start with you, Cindy. What made you decide to get involved? Uh, well, thank you, Joyce, very, very much. Um, it actually, um, let me just uh, uh, let me just um, kind of clarify. Twenty One Enable is not an organization per se, but it is a major initiative of the United Way of Allegheny County. Um, and I was on the the, the forefront um, of getting it started uh, through the United Way. And I guess my personal story and inspiration uh, comes in a couple of places. Um, one is when I was in elementary school back in Southern California, uh, there was a uh, teacher who arrived um, one day with some fanfare, uh, although it, it was just because it was uh, of such interest. Um, she was in a chair, uh, paralyzed from the neck down. She had been a the national champion uh, women's slalom uh, skier for the United States and was going to represent the United States on the Olympic team. This was uh, in the 50s. I, it was not in the 50s when she was at the school. It was uh, 10, 15 years later when I was at the school. But in the 50s, um, she was uh, slated to be our number one uh, women's slalom um, placement on the U.S. women's ski team. I think for the 1956 Olympics, and she had a horrific accident um, during a, a race just prior and broke her neck and was paralyzed um, from the neck down. And she was an absolutely inspirational woman. She was uh, very young at the time, hadn't completed college, um, but apparently she managed to complete UCLA and uh, got her degree in education and wanted to be a reading teacher and couldn't get a job anywhere and was told everywhere um, that uh, you're, you're, you're really great, you're really wonderful, but I'm sorry, you have a disability, and we don't hire people with disabilities to be teachers. And she went all over Southern California, including the L.A. Uh, Unified School District, and was told the same thing everywhere, but my school district um, gave her a job. So she was one of the very first people, I believe, um, who had a, a serious disability, who uh, was taken on and, and given a regular teaching position. And so um, this was sort of my first, uh, I guess, um, introduction uh, to uh, a world of people with disabilities who particularly uh, were certainly able um, to uh, achieve high professional levels. And she was an absolutely wonderful reading teacher, and by the way, uh, taught um, in that school district for many, many years. Um, so that, that really stayed with me, and uh, I think there was a, a movie about her, her life uh, that came out, and uh, she actually just recently died last year at the age of 75, um, yeah, but she was really amazing. Um, so that was a very positive kind of uh, uh, inspiration for me. But then, you know, I got older and was just sort of living my life, um, and um, recently, um, I would say maybe 
five, six, seven, eight years ago in Pittsburgh. Um, I had a, a very dear friend. Um, we worked together in an organization, and we got to be very close. And she started to tell me about her son. She had a, uh, an amazing son named Josh who had cerebral palsy, has cerebral palsy, and he was in the school system at the time and um, just receiving an excellent education and had terrific ancillary services and um, uh, was, was, was really doing very well. And she made me aware of the fact that when he turned 21, all of this would sort of precipitously end um, because he was... Uh, all of this was through our educational system and, and, and Medicaid, but apparently it stopped at the age of 21. And she introduced me to the phrase, graduating to the couch. And uh, I thought about that, and I thought, this is horrific. We simply can't have a system like this in the most developed and wealthy um, and enlightened country in the world um, that would permit this to happen. And I found out more and more and decided it was something that uh, really seemed like one of the last really huge uh, social and even civil rights gaps that was not being addressed. And so that's how I, I became interested to the point of uh, wanting to try to do something about it. Wow. First of all, all of those stories were awesome. But I have to go back to that first story that you told um, you know, wow, what a great school you went to. I it mean, that great... is un unbelievable. I'm, I'm proud to say, Joyce, that it was the Beverly Hills School District in Beverly Hills, California. And they were wow. the only school district that would give Jill Kinmont, um, who was a gifted teacher, a job. Yeah. You know why? Just to make the point of how amazing that is. Judy Newman, who was an appointee, in the Clinton administration, and now in the Obama administration, um, is like a major civil rights legend in the disability community. Um, and I'm sure most of my listeners know who she is, but years and years and years ago in New York, which is where she's from, she um, tried to go into a college, and they said no, so she had to fight to get into this college. Then... She, you know, when she went, finally got uh, that she could go to the college, you know, they told her, no, she should not be a teacher because of her disability. And then when she tried to be a teacher, they said, no, you're a fire hazard. So, you know, her parents survived the Holocaust. So, like, they were on fire to fight for this. You know, they had, as she said, they already had this incredible drive uh, obviously, they faced the most terrible obstacles and things you could ever face, and there you go. She became a teacher and went on in Berkeley, California, to spearhead the Independent Living Center. Um, so, to your point, that's how hard it was. Yes, right, right, exactly. And we, you know, we were just kids. We didn't know that she had gone through this amazing struggle um, in order to uh, to get a teaching position. Um, you know, when when you're a kid. It's great because you kind of accept people as they are, and you you don't think about it. And you know, she was a teacher. It happened to be a little bit different because she, uh, you know, had a wheelchair. But that was that was that was about it. And she taught for many many years very successfully. Well, that is awesome. And you know, the other thing I wanted to mention to you that saying, 
graduating to the couch is like so accurate. I mean, that is sadly how it is. So that's why I think this 21 Enable is just so awesome. How about you, Amy? How did you get involved? Well, I was working at the United Way, Joyce, when um, Cindy was talking with Bob Nelkin and getting this started. Um, and so the United Way was able to provide the infrastructure, the staffing, and the fundraising um, to give this very critical project legs. Um, and United Way's ability to convene and facilitate both across disabilities and across stakeholders has been unparalleled. And my thought was, was, is that individuals with disabilities should have the right to live wherever they want, just like folks without disabilities. Um, and what we do know is that many people choose to live in the community. And I think we should support um, that. It, and from a taxpayer perspective, um, we want folks to be part of the economy, to be um, working and spending. We want parents to be able to work and pay taxes and contribute to the economy as well. So, and for most individuals, the cost of providing services in the home and the community is far less costly than institutionalization. So it never made sense to me that we're not providing um, enough supports in the community to keep people there um, as opposed to institutionalizing at a much higher rate or a much higher cost. Well, that is so true, and, you know, kudos to you, Amy, for all that you have done, which I know is significant, and for getting so involved. So, Cindy, what is the mission of this initiative, 21 Enable, and, and how would people listening to the show, especially in the Allegheny County, get involved? What are the main things you're trying to accomplish? Well, Joyce, um, we're, first of all, thanks very much, and, and uh, please, anybody um, listening who's interested in finding out more or getting involved, uh, all you have to do is go to the United Way of Allegheny County website, and I believe we actually have a 21 Enable uh, website um, as well. So 21enable.org. Uh, thank you. Right. <laughs> so so we, we do welcome uh, everybody's interest. Um, but here, here are the main points. So since the 1970s, uh, government has been mandated to provide systematic support through public education um, and ancillary support services to children and youth with disabilities. Um, this is provided for uh, through Department of Education funding and Medicaid-funded uh, programs. And, and the, idea is that, uh, the idea then was that they were entitled to an education. So... Um, that's terrific, and we certainly agreed with that, but the mandate kind of ended there, um, both in terms of uh, the chronological age um, of people being served and with the idea of, of, of what they were um, entitled to, you know, beyond an education. So when they reach the age of 21, they age out of these educational and support services um, that are very systematized. Uh, and then there are huge problems. They and their parents or guardians um, are often faced with substantially reduced and often inadequate services. Um, they, they may know or, or they may not know um, to put their names on uh, waiting lists for services, um, but uh, even that process is, uh, does not seem to be uh, transparent. It doesn't seem to be clear 
um, who might come off a waiting list to receive funding and services and who might not. Um, the, the whole process of selection is just not that transparent. Um, and it's not oriented towards some smooth continuum um, for people uh, like um, other people have. You know, we sort of, other people sort of know they come out of the education system and they can go on to second, post-secondary education uh, or into the job force. Um, but there, there, there's kind of an understanding and a way to transition out. And that isn't really true um, uh, for children and youth with, with disabilities. And so we don't, want, uh, we don't want this population of people graduating to the couch. Um, we don't want it because not only is it simply not right and not moral and not ethical, but it makes no economic sense as well um, to have... A, a cohort of people out of our population who are sort of perpetually dependent upon um, uh, money, you know, in, in order to live. Um, so from a, a personal point of view, a develop, personal development point of view, an ethical point of view, and an economic point of view and a productivity point of view, it just makes sense for as many people as possible, whether or not you have a disability, to be able to move into a situation where you can have as much independence in your life as possible. Um, if that includes working, so much the better, then you're paying taxes. Um, but, but basically, 21 Enable wants to address that really big issue. So the mission is to create a systematic roadmap for young adults with disabilities to enable them to transition successfully um, in ad- to adulthood. And um, there's a three-pronged approach to that, which I'm happy to get into if you would, if you would like me to. Um, I'll say at this point also that 21 Enable is, from that point of view, very holistic and a sort of a comprehensive uh, kind of initiative. We're engaging service providers and experts, um, advocates, um, uh, people who understand the public policy dimension of this, school and government officials, funders, um, uh, both community funders such as the United Way and um, foundation and individual funders, um, parents, family members, and, of course, individuals with disabilities themselves across the county to come together and and work to solve this issue uh, with very positive solutions. Um, I do. You know what, Cindy, go ahead and discuss the three-pronged. I would go to, well, okay, that's fine. Great, I'd love to. So, so here's a three-pronged approach um, that we came up with to tackle this because this is a big issue and there's just, there's no one smart or easy strategy. Um, and we also recognize that much of it, it might be a long-term uh, process as well. But the first is to look at the public policy um, of the issue. What is it about um, the way the current structure works in terms of how funding to support people transitioning um, into adulthood who have disabilities. What is it about the, the funding structure coming from the government level, and by that I mean you know federal to state to county, um, that could be corrected? Where are there glitches? Where are there obstacles? Um, where could it flow more smoothly, and where could it be much more efficient? and really get the dollars to people who need them um, in, in, a, in a smart and, and transparent way. 
So public policy is the first angle. The second prong um, is pilot projects or demonstration projects. So what we did was we kind of looked at the current landscape and we thought to ourselves, what are some programs uh, that could be put into place right now that might address um, the most egregious aspects of this issue uh, in a direct way, in a, in a I guess, a, a quicker way, um, a, a more um, expeditious way? And so we came up with actually six pilot projects that address different aspects of this issue um, from the transition itself, uh, from the education system into being out of the education system. In other words, helping uh, kids who are um, still in school uh, to be as prepared as possible to transition out when the time comes. Um, so they range from transition projects uh, to employment-related projects because, Joyce, as you well know, um, this is a population that has one of the highest, if not the highest, rate of chronic unemployment, um, and everybody wants to work. Everybody wants to be productive and independent to, to their level of capability. So we have a couple of very interesting pilot projects going on um, having to do with making it uh, smoother, easier, and more supportive for young people with disabilities to transition into work environments. And that one is particularly exciting because that's in, those pilots are, some of them are involving um, the private sector as well as the public sector. Because that's our other point. I mean, this is an issue that everybody should care about. This should not be a, quote, government issue only. And it shouldn't be a, quote, foundation community issue only either. Everybody has a stake in this. Um, we also have a pilot project having to do um, with, with, with housing to conduct uh, housing needs assessment specific to people with disabilities um, to find out what exists, what doesn't exist, um, how can it be addressed. I, I do have to make it very clear that the United Way itself is, is not, would not be involved um, in developing housing, um, but it is involved in doing this, this kind of assessment. And we also actually have some, a couple of exciting projects where we're working uh, with the state government, um, again, to address, uh, first of all, this issue of funding um, and make sure that programs and services are better coordinated first at the state level, which means they will be better coordinated at the county level, um, and, and also to work on employment, too, from the state level. So we have, uh, uh, th those are very, very exciting. And then the third prong is public awareness, because um, like me, I, I was very fortunate. I didn't uh, myself uh, have uh, a disability per se, and I, and I didn't have a family member um, who had a disability to the extent that um, I would know about this um, as I was growing up. I came to be aware of this as, a, as an issue um, only a few years ago. And so it's very important that we raise public awareness uh, about this issue as well. Well, Cindy, are these mainly young people with intellectual disabilities? Well, um, actually, no, Joyce. This initiative, 21 Enable, addresses uh, uh, young people, uh, or addresses people, um, focusing on youth, um, with any type of disability. 
uh, or multiple disabilities. Um, and in fact, I, I probably should have mentioned um, that uh, uh, one of the pilot projects actually has to do with addressing the needs of young adults with complex transitions due to multiple disabilities that could be both intellectual, developmental, and uh, physical. We really want this program, just as the education system covers a multiple uh, range um, and breadth and scope uh, of disabilities um, through the IEP process, that's kind of where our thinking is. I mean, if, if you have an IEP, uh, then uh, we want to help you transition into adulthood. Well, Amy, if someone listening to the show is interested, how would they get referred? Like if someone's listening right now saying, oh, that is, I have a child or uh, I have a friend or the person themselves says, what a great program, how would they get referred to this program? Well, that's a really great, great question, Joyce. Thank you. So, folks who want, um, who are, who want an, and or need in, of services, um, or supports or resources should call, um, the Western Pennsylvania 211 line. So, 211 works a lot like 411, the Mayor's Service Center, um, or 911 with, um, for emergency services, but 211 is for human services. And um, United Way is taking the lead on that for um, Western PA, for Southwestern PA, and um, there are trained resource navigators that will be able to give you information, referrals to agencies for the supports that already exist. As Cindy mentioned, um, 21 enables an initiative to create the roadmap for systemic change um, in the transition to adulthood. Um, so um, we are hopeful that every person with a disability will be supported through these efforts and will have a smoother transition to adulthood. But also, um, all services and, re- and programs that currently exist, can um, you can find information for them at 211. 211. Okay, and I would encourage anyone interested to follow through with this because I believe this is not only a great initiative, but do I not hear this? Since I've been involved in the disability world and employment, how many times has someone said to me, well, Joyce, I know you're successful finding employment for in IT, finance, et cetera, for people with disabilities, whether they're blind, deaf, or in a wheelchair, or have epilepsy, who are able uh, to, to make that transition easily. But what about those who cannot? What is going to happen to them? Uh, and as Cindy said, sitting on the couch uh, is probably what would happen. I'll never forget when um, one of President, uh, I mean, one of Senator Kennedy's t- top health advisors went to uh, Connie Garner, went to uh, a school event with her daughter, Amanda, who had an intellectual disability, and Amanda said, you know, Mommy, come. They're going to talk about us graduating. So she went, but she did not go as Ted Kennedy's key person in staffing. She went as Amanda's mother. And when the um, administrator was speaking, he said, well, now that your child has graduated at the age of 21, 
you know, you just must realize that they're done now. They'll never get a job. And, you know, little did he know who was sitting in the audience. So needless to say, that caused World War III and changes. But I have heard this and still hear it over and over and over. That's why I think this is such an innovative um, initiative, something that we really, really need. So, Cindy, to what degree do you see young people who have attrition, uh, actually gone out of this educational support system falling through the cracks onto that couch? Do you hear that story also a lot? Yeah, well, yes, Joyce, that's, uh, you know, I, I was telling you at the beginning, my positive inspiration was Jill Kinmont and my, you know, get off the couch yourself and do something about this inspiration uh, was, was hearing that this is actually kind of not just a common occurrence, but an expected uh, occurrence. So, I, I mean, I was just in tears hearing about, you know, for example, a graduation of the uh, day school class at the Children's Institute, um, and parents so proud, um, and, and the kids so excited and happy. Um, and then my friend tells me, well, yeah, and, and tomorrow they graduate to the couch for the most part. I mean, I just, uh, it's it's a devastating idea. Um, I am not an expert. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> be sure everybody, uh, you and I know you know that, but I, 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 your, your listening audience needs to know that. I'm not an expert in this field. Really, all I am is a cheerleader. Um, but, uh, but I think it's pretty much borne out by statistics as well. I mean, for example, um, we have approximately, uh, right now in this uh, state, uh, 15,000 people on a waiting list for services. Um, and uh, about 300 slots. Uh, for services for all people with autism, and this is just talking about you know one uh, one area uh, uh, intellectual uh, of intellectual disabilities. So if you just take that example alone, um, there is an expected it's expected that there's going to be uh, an uptick in this number. I mean we're seeing diagnoses somewhere in the area of one out of 88 children. Um, many individuals in this population will, will need services, and we're, we're just sort of not there as a society. Um, I, I think that uh, um, we have not caught up as a society to uh, uh, medical um, technology, uh, which, has, uh, which is wonderful um, in that more people who are born with disabilities or um, through accident or, or illness or whatever, um, un- unfortunately retain a disability at some point in, in saving their lives, etc. But we have to be concerned uh, about not only their quality of life, um, but the ability um, of, of our society um, to, to be able to uh, ab- absorb in a productive way um, all people uh, all people who are who are here and transitioning out of the educational system, so it's it's um it's a really big problem, and I think that what we're talking about now in terms of a need is really a cultural change more than anything else. I mean, we have to get to the point where we don't um, think of uh, people with disabilities as uh, you know a, a certain population to be. Uh, treated differently or that or to have different expectations that's where the civil rights part of it comes in it's almost like 
um, saying that in this day and age, um, women, uh, there should be a lower level of expectation for what women can do with their lives. I mean, we've got to change the culture and completely think differently um, from every point of view, and that's what's really, I think, ultimately going to solve this problem. And really, in the final analysis, 21 Enable seeks to do no less than that um, through these approaches that I've discussed. Um, but, but that is the big issue. We need to change the culture. And uh, I personally, you know, I, I always said this about women's rights, and I'll, I'll say it about uh, this and other civil rights issues that we face this should be a non-issue. Let's make this a non-issue into the future. That should be our goal. Yes, that should be the goal. That should be the goal, and that's what you're doing. That's what you're talking about. So, Amy, if, uh, if someone is listening to the show, a business person from the private sector uh, or someone that works for a foundation, how can they help? Well, Thank you, Joyce, for that question. We, because we can't do it by ourselves, and it's not just United Way. Um, 21 Enable is a collaboration of over 40 organizations, plus um, folks with disabilities, plus their family members, plus um, government and school officials, and that whole list of, um, of groups that, are, that Cindy mentioned are included with this project. And we've had some foundations at the table from the very beginning, and um, they've helped lend their expertise to the projects, their um, smart thinking, and some have um, even been committed enough to, to um, provide funding for the project. And if somebody is interested in this, um, calling uh, Mary Hartley at United Way, which is 412-281-6010, will get lots of information um, in terms of how they can help, how they can be part of this. Um, Cindy talked about that we're looking to, um, that we are working with employers, looking to work with more employers um, to get folks employed um, and, and once they're hired to actually be supported in the um, workplace and to have, and, and for people in the, um, for the employers, um, managers to understand the best way to deal um, and handle and manage people with disabilities and how does that all work. And so we would love to talk to more employers. We'd love to talk to more potential funders. And um, we look forward to that. Yes, well, I hope everyone listening, the one thing Amy said, can't do it alone. You know, no matter what issue I'm working with it, not-for-profits, I remind them, can't do it alone. So, Cindy, uh, once this initiative is fully operational, what do you hope to accomplish in the first year? Well, Joyce, what we what we want to hope to accomplish, um, uh, you know, eventually, are these um, public policy changes um, that I that I mentioned, um, and also full implementation uh, of these programs that are now pilots, so that they become, you know, simply part of the fabric um, of, of everyday life in, in, in terms of uh, employment, housing, um, how state funding is going to work, um, the ability for people who are uh, transitioning um, out of the educational system to go smoothly uh, into their 
um, adult life, uh, etc. So in terms of where we are now, um, actually 21 and ABLE uh, began as an initiative, although I don't think we called it that. I don't think we actually had a name for it when we, when we first started it. Um, but we're, we're more or less in our third year. And, um, I'll, I mean, a little bit of the history of it. So I, I, I told you, you know, I, I had this thought. I couldn't believe what was going on um, in this uh, in this uh, sphere um, for for this population, and I and I sat down with Bob Nelkin, um, who was the CEO, uh, president of the United Way, and I said, Bob, this is terrible. And he said, Cindy, I know this is terrible. I've I've been working in this field. This is one of my great interests for years, and um, um, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, you know somebody coming from the volunteer sector um, really wants to take it on. And Bob said to me, if you can get uh, some interest and support around this, um, I will help you um, through the United Way um, start to, to get something done with this. So that's kind of how it started. Um, it was really more like three and a half years ago, I think. Uh, and um, I, I got a group of people around the table um, that I thought were relatively influential uh, in, in Allegheny County, some, some politicians and some uh, community leaders, advocates, and and uh, some experts, et cetera. And we, we sort of agreed conceptually um, that this was a good thing to tackle, although it was kind of, from our point of view, tackling something almost from scratch in terms of how we saw the enormity of the problem and um, uh, how we thought it needed to be addressed. So we we did get some funding from the United Way um, to begin to research. And the first thing we wanted to do was really document that this was an issue. Um, was this just uh, anecdotes I was hearing about, quote, graduating to the couch, or was it real? And the research showed that it was indeed a very real problem, and certainly not only in Allegheny County. I mean, this is a national issue. Um, and, and really from there... Uh, we we started to build a collaboration, um, as I mentioned and as, as Amy emphasized, among um, all different sectors um, to determine not just the scope of issue of the issue, but to start to talk about approaches. I mean, what do we really need to do about this, and what's going to be effective? Um, and, and from there, we were able to um, uh, Amy. Uh, was extraordinarily helpful as a senior program officer at the United Way um, who who worked with the group of community volunteers on kind of figuring all of this out. Um, and uh, at some point uh, last year, there was a full-time dedicated project manager at the United Way um, who uh, was hired specifically to um, move and forward um, this initiative, and her name is Mary Hartley, and she's enormously knowledgeable and dynamic, and we're very fortunate to have her uh, working with us. So then what we did was, um, from that beginning and with Mary's help, we really drilled down on what were the key policy issues to address, to, to try to mitigate this. I mean, where are the real pain points um, in the system uh, that that makes it so difficult for people with disabilities to transition smoothly, and and where are those pain points at the federal, state, and local level, and then simultaneously, uh, in that second year, we began to talk about 
pilot projects um, where we could demonstrate that if you did certain kinds of things, you could really actually start to alleviate um, the problem. And that's where we are right now in the third year. Uh, we have really in development these six pilot projects, several of which um, are implemented um, and uh, or sort of on the verge of being implemented and all showing tremendous progress so far. And we've also honed in on our public policy, if you will, asks. Um, and we've been working uh, actually closely with the state um, uh, the state has been very cooperative and very open, um, as has the county. So we're we're just seeing a lot of interest in this on all levels um, to to make this right. I mean, people really do want to make this right, and that's what's tremendously encouraging um, about this. So I expect this will go on, uh, completing the third year into a fourth year. My hope is that the public policy issues will be underway, be they. Um, administrative things, you know, that can be done at the state level or federal level, or if they might involve asking for legislative changes, that those specific bills, you know, will somehow be in process, and that these pilot projects in the fourth year will be fully implemented. And I have to say, Joyce, sort of like I said earlier, I don't think 21 Enable should be uh, an initiative uh, in perpetuity. I mean, my goal is really to, quote, get this thing solved to the extent possible, this transition issue solved to the extent possible, and then, you know, uh, we'll let the United Way, uh, which is, of course, doing many other wonderful things, um, but uh, we'll, we'll let it move on from that, too, because we want to see this solved. We don't want to kind of keep this out there um, forever. We're really moving forward very aggressively. When do you think that will happen, Cindy? How long do you think it will take until... This just becomes an initiative of the United Way. I, I, you know, I don't have any way. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could predict. But, you know, the vagaries of uh, particularly <laughs> the, the vagaries and mysterious ways in which government moves um, are, are not for me, you know, to, to predict. And sometimes we think we've taken three steps forward and, you know, we have a step backward and, and we just we just keep moving. So I wish I could give some kind of timeline, but I, I think that um, I, I just think that that would be totally a guess. Um, but I don't know, Amy. Do you have any feel for uh, a timeline? No, um, I, I would completely echo Cindy's comments that we we don't know because so much of it depends on. Um, um, federal, state, and county government. And as we know, there's elections coming up that are, there's going to be some changes uh, or could be some changes. And so we really don't know um, what that means. We do know that we're making significant progress. We're thrilled with um, how far we've been able to get. Um, very exciting to see that everybody, um, as Cindy said, wants this to happen. Um, so we just keep, um, we're not just sort of plodding along, we're really pushing forward. That is awesome. And, you know, I have to just tell this, quickly tell this story. Uh, we just had the National Governors Association in Pittsburgh this past Friday and Thursday, and it was held at Highmark. So this is the National Governors Association, you know, all the governors uh, in the United States, this is their group. 
And the chair is Governor Jack Markell. Um, and each chair, each governor that's chair of the NGA, uh, gets to choose an initiative. And his initiative he chose is the employment of people with disabilities. So during the two years he's been in this position, that's, you know, what he's been working on, uh, which he is so awesome. We love him so much. He's the governor of Delaware. So um, he, they asked him, well, what made you get so excited about this? And he said, well, it isn't that anyone in my family has a disability. It isn't that I have a disability. It's that one day I went to a company in Delaware. And while I was there, I met this young man that worked in the marketing department on different products they were marketing. And the area that he was working on was with T-shirts, you know, getting them ready to send them out. And he had Down syndrome. And I said to him, you seem so happy. What did you do before this? And he said, I sat at home on a couch with my parents watching television. And this light bulb went off. It had such an impact on him that that is why in the state of Delaware and nationally, he took that initiative to be the employment of people with disabilities. And, boy, doesn't that just fit with what you're talking about? Well, it's so exciting, Joyce, and you're absolutely right. And um, thank you for bringing that up. Amy and I were both uh, at the Institute as well. And um, I'm I'm glad to say great minds are thinking alike um, (laughs) because uh, uh, until relatively recently, um, I did not know that Governor Markell had uh, uh, taken this on as uh, his signature uh, issue for the National Governors Association. And really, I think what Amy and I um, uh, heard there, saw there and heard there, um, is that there are a number of states. Uh, now, we heard, I guess, the eastern half of the country, the uh, governors and, and uh, relevant administrators were at this institute, and then the west, the western states will have a, the, a, really the same one with the same agenda um, at some point soon, I think in Seattle. Um, but clearly... This has now come uh, to the attention um, of the states, and uh, that we heard so many interesting, innovative um, projects and systems and processes and perspectives on employing people uh, with with disabilities. Um, you know, one of which I, I obviously are aware of is the whole concept of employment first, and uh, you know, uh, barring a, a, another path. Um, any young person with disabilities who is able to uh, should be transitioned out with the idea that he or she is going to enter um, the workforce. And that's not an mm-hmm. exception. That's a rule, just like mm-hmm. anybody, you know, would, would be. Um, and, and that's really what I'm saying about changing the culture. I think that that recognition and that leadership um, and what I heard from the states um, at the Institute here in Pittsburgh really indicates that there is a cultural shift uh, going on. And it's not about feeling sorry for people. It's about recognizing abilities and um, being a productive nation. And I, I think that's the cultural, again, that's the cultural shift we have to get to. But I was so encouraged um, from from the Institute that that really seemed to be something that was happening on a national level. That is, absolutely. And Governor Markell, I mean, I was very honored to speak on that panel 
But Governor Markell also went to the Bender Leadership Academy in Delaware, which is the work I do on a volunteer basis with high school students with disabilities. And his commitment to this transitioning is really significant. So, um, yes, I was excited about that also. Well, let me tell you what. For 12 years now, I ask the next two questions to everyone who has ever been on the show, and the next one, for some reason, is always the hardest to answer. But I'll start with you, Cindy. Um, Obviously, both of you have accomplished already so many great things. But, Cindy, if you had to say what you were the proudest of, of all your accomplishments, what would it be? Joyce, I have to say this is the one question I could not bring myself to prepare for. <laughs> I told I mean, you. I honestly, hardest, you're not everyone always tells me hardest, hardest question. No, it, seriously, I, you know, I, I, I don't know actually that I've, uh, uh, when I see people and what they have accomplished um, uh, in everyday walks of life, I am uh, continuously uh, inspired. I, tr- I truly am. I, I think that, you know, if I can be uh, uh, a good person um, who occasionally has a couple of good ideas and uh, tries to make them come to fruition um, while at the same time um, eating healthfully and, uh, you know, taking care of my family, then uh, I consider um, that's good enough for my accomplishments. Well, let me just say this, Cindy. Just the fact that you're speaking up for people with disabilities is a significant accomplishment because that helps the lives of so many people. Just as you mentioned, we have the highest unemployment of any group. Uh, we have all of these young people transitioning from the age of 21 to nothing. And if we don't have business leaders and community leaders that speak up, what would happen to us? So that alone is a great accomplishment. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. How about you, Amy? Do you have an answer um, to I this I absolutely question? agree that it's a very difficult question. Um, I guess I would respond that um, with more than 20 years of experience in the human services field here in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County, I've just been completely thrilled to be a part of helping to improve the quality of life of so many individuals and families. But more than that, I, I'm truly humbled by the strength and resilience in many of the people whom I've met. I'm not certain that I would show such characteristics um, if faced with the same diversity, I'm sorry, difficulty and adversity. Um, So I'm I'm just thrilled to be able to help. Well, once again, what I said, you are helping. You're doing a lot. And I want to tell everyone listening to the show, these are two people really working to help people with disabilities. So... Um, we love you for that. So, Cindy, uh, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Get involved. Uh, don't give up. Um, uh, let's get going on this. Uh, let's get this accomplished. Let's change the culture. And let's live and work and love as one unified people. Wow. Well, that's a great message. <laughs> How about you, Amy? I can only say ditto, Joyce. <laughs> There's nothing else to add to that. That is it. That's right. That is it. Well, first of all, uh, Cindy and Amy, uh, we want to thank bo- both of you for being a guest 
for Voice America today and being on my show. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for having us, Joyce. Oh, listen, I am behind this once again, 21 and Able. Um, and, Amy, what is that website again? 21andable.org. 21andable.org. And if you have any other questions, you can contact Voice America or me at BenderConsult.com. Get involved. Make a difference. One person. One person that you help. That one person will make such a big difference. You know, we can't change the world, but to that one person, we may be the world. So get involved. Make a difference. Um, and we end the show, every show, with a quote from someone that has impacted quality of life in America. And today that quote from Martin Luther King Jr. is, the time is always right to do what is right. So what is right is 21 and able. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.